Abuse is basically someone in power using, misusing those without power, whether it's emotional, spiritual, physical, or sexual. It's someone with more power misusing and abusing someone with less power. Is your church spiritually abusive? Today, we give you ways to know for sure. To discover this is troubling, depressing, but it's also freeing. Would it be okay if I were to tell you that I am afraid someday? So I call you up and you call me down. Would it be okay? Well, hello and welcome to the Freed Hearts Podcast, episode 25. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> I'm using that instead of my special effects on my phone now. So you, you got to really sell that when I need oh. you to do it. So, um, hi, my name is Robert Cottrell. And I'm here as always with Susan Cottrell. And we are so excited. Today is going to be fun. Uh, and before I even tell you, well, you know what it's about because you probably saw it um, before you tuned in. But today we're going to talk about is your church spiritually abusive? What is, what is That's my sound effects. Hissing. Oh, hissing. I, I was waiting for a word starting with S, like S or C. Certainly. So much. Um, okay. So just I think quick, I have to sell these things better. Okay. So since we're talking about church and, and all that kind of stuff, we need to remind you that our goal here is to change the human conversation on love and inclusion. We address religion so we can dismantle the roadblocks to love and inclusion. We don't want you to go to church. We don't want you to go back to church. We don't want you to leave the church. That's not what this is about at all. And we have people out there of many faith backgrounds and and beliefs. But we want you to be free of the residual conversation in your head. If you get triggered by talk about faith issues, we understand and we don't blame you in the least. If you've been hurt or excluded by church, by family or community, we are so Sorry, our work is to help prevent that kind of heartache and exclusion from happening. We will give a trigger warning here because we want you to be safe. We'll talk about these things only to disarm them, to help people heal from the harm that's been done to them, and to prevent that kind of harm in the future. We care about your heart, your safety, and your well-being. We love you so much, and we're glad, so glad that you're here with us. So Absolutely. sometimes, you know, we do something like this and, and these aren't, aren't legitimate uh, criticisms there from people out there, the trolls, but we said, you just hate Christians. You just, you just hate Christians. No, we don't hate Christians. We hate their sin. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's about a snark. See how that feels. See how that feels out there. See how that works. That's I did my, not see that coming. That's my snarky moment. <laughs> so what is spiritual abuse? Abuse of basically, this means someone in power is using or misusing those who don't have power. Whether it's emotional or spiritual or physical or sexual, it's someone with more power abusing someone with less power. And a shocking part of this is growing up under white evangelical patriarchal authority authoritarianism. (laughs) For some reason, that word was not coming out. And then coming to realize that way too many of our white male pastors and leaders are narcissists and they're controlling and they're abusive, emotionally, spiritually, often physically, sometimes sexually. And this is rampant among Catholic priests, as we all know. But honestly, it's also rampant among 
this kind of church, the pastors of this kind of church, uh, more than we know because it's hidden so well, especially in the evangelical church, which is non-denominational, which is so independent, they don't answer to anybody. So they just close the doors, lock the doors, seal the box, and we never hear about this. But when you do, it is incredibly troubling and uh, and damaging to so many. Um, So to discover that this is troubling uh, and depressing, but it's also freeing. So you, when you learn this, it, it is difficult to hear, but it's also freeing because only then can you stop the gaslighting. So Susan, what yeah, let the me, heck is gaslighting? Yeah, and I think most people may know the term, but they, I want to explain it a little bit that even if you have a, a feel for it, it comes from an old movie, Gaslight, in which the husband- Have you seen, have you seen the movie? Old oh, movie. Yes, I've seen the movie, yes. I'm a big fan of old black and white movies. I used to watch them with my mother, so I love them. Yeah, Uh, but Gaslight is really good. If you haven't seen it and you are okay with old movies, that's a good one. But the story is the husband changes things in the house, like dimming the lights, which are gas lights. And when the wife asks about it, he denies it, saying nothing's changed. And so his goal is to make her think she's gone crazy so he can have her committed as insane. And then guess what he gets to do? Has control of all of the wealth, all of her wealth. So gaslighting is an attempt to destroy someone's perception of reality. Now, it's, it's, it's funny because I think that sometimes you can view the church as not an attempt to make us feel like we're insane, kind of, but certainly an attempt to make us feel like we are unworthy and incompetent and, um, and so dependent on them and their leadership. And if we fall out of line, then there are eternal consequences. Yeah. And that's the same kind of way. And that's a form of insanity right there. Yeah. And if you're told, you know, you can change, you don't have to be gay or you can change, you can submit to this male pastor, you can submit and all of these things Sorry, submit's a trigger word. I'm sure it is. It is. But um, you, you're being told that you should be able to buck up, but the system is broken. The system's abusive. And so when you're told you should be able to buck up under the system, that's gaslighting because it's saying you're the one with the problem, mm. but you're not the one with the problem. Yeah. And this certainly is not something new to the LGBTQ right. community. Where else have we right. seen this? Oh, my gosh. I mean, telling black people that they're wrong about racism, that- you know, they're just whatever, too sensitive or not working hard enough. That kind of thing is is intended to make them think it's their problem and and question themselves. But it's it's gaslighting or telling LGBTQ we had, people. We had but, someone close to us when talking about the issue of racism and and poverty in the in the, the people of color in their communities and and things like that. They said, "Well, you know, there's always the government, and if we're, worst case scenario, they can they can always enlist in the army." Wow! And I'm thinking, "Oh my God, that's Scrooge!" Right? You know, right. the, the poorhouses and yeah, the workhouses, the work. Yeah, yes. Oh my gosh! But if you here's the question to ask: Would you be happy to be treated the way black people are treated in America today? What was that you said? No. Yeah. Well, there's your answer. We're not treating this community, you know, generally together. We're not treating them as we'd want to be treated. Or telling LGBTQ people that they're wrong about being gay, that they're just not trying hard enough to be straight. Or that they're okay being gay, but they have to be celibate. Right. And that's a whole other episode, too. Yeah, that's another whole episode. Coming soon. 
<laughs> um, or telling women there's not really an inherent problem. They just need to be less sensitive. Susan. Women, have you heard that? You just need to be quiet and listen because I'm your male pastor leader. Yeah, so... You want to tell a little story behind that? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I As was, an example of this? Yes. I was called in to talk to the pastor. No. I know. <laughs> what, what'd you do? Uh, it's a long story. Um, I spoke up. I spoke out yeah, about that's an exactly injustice. what you did. That you, yeah. you just spoke out. That's all I did. Uh, and I. this was in the last church we went to before we, we all came out as a Fermi. Uh, and I was called into the pastor to talk, and I went in, and he, um, it was like in his 30s, and the junior pastor was there. That was not his title, but that's what I call him. He was younger than the pastor. So these two young men are having a conversation with me about what I can speak up about and what I can't speak up about. That's what the conversation was. And here I am, old enough to be their mother, and they're telling me what for, and uh, we were kind of coming to an agreement because I was, anyway, I was about to just say, okay, I will do what you're asking. When the junior pastor said, well, I'm your spiritual authority, so you have to submit to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> the steam came out of my ears. What, is that how we now deal with people who are really doing a good job? I was not there to be a problem at all, but we have this this child, man-child, telling someone his mother's age that she needs to submit to his authority. I don't think so. Well, and the written, yes, absolutely. If all of you are out there kind of cringing, you got this right. Yeah. And especially because it was simply because they didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to really deal with the issue itself. They didn't want to deal with you. And so it was like, eh, let's just, just sit down and be quiet. Just stop talking. Just and stop that's, talking. that's a very masculine approach we can we'll get into that another time but it's a it's a cut and dried these are the rules abide by the rules i'm telling you what the rules are uh approach that is it's not comprehensive it's not holistic it doesn't take into uh, account the whole person they didn't know yeah. my experience in life at all but i'm supposed to submit to these two children it was it yeah. was really something. That was a, a very big eye opener to what people endure. Yeah, and at what, the hands of these kinds of pastors. And then what happens? Yeah, and then what happens is you treat somebody this way, who happen to be mothers and fathers, and they take it home. Yes, and so children are left being gaslighted to say there's not really a problem in the home. You just you just need to be quiet and obey, obey your elders. We get that a lot. Sometimes yeah. it's like, well, how I I can recall a number of times when LGBTQ people coming from these kind of fundy homes um, say, well, I need to honor my father and mother. Yeah, because they've been taught and, that. And they tell me that I'm not honoring them by being gay. Right. And it, it, let me tell you, that verse about honoring your parents has nothing to do with that. We'll talk yeah. about it in a future time. Yeah. But that is not does not mean you just do what your parents say. And that's not what it means. And actually, that's not honoring. No, it's not honoring. I mean, you want to honor your mother. And if if our kids are listening, and you better be listening, um, <laughs> you know, if you want to honor us, live true to who you are. Yeah, that's Go, right. Be loved, love, you know, lavishly and fully right. and and right. be loved and, and go for it. That's how you honor us that's is right. live your life. And just in brief, I'll cover it another time, but to honor your parents in the in the context of that verse means 
you don't kick them out on the street. You because wait, it was wait, customary wait, wait, wait. for your parents to live on kids. If you're listening, that's not an option. <laughs> it's it was customary in the culture that you live multi generational families, and you take care of your parents in their old age. And what these religious leaders, there's always a workaround, and they had worked out that they're going to uh, dedicate their money to God, their home and their wealth to God, and it's called Corbin. And that means it's dedicated to God. Now they get to still use it, but now that it's dedicated to God, they're not obligated oh, to take geez. care of their parents in their old age. Oh my gosh. Right? Talk about gaslighting. And that, that so honor your parents was in defense of the less powerful. Mm. It was not in defense of the more powerful who want to tell you what to do. All of these verses are to defend the less powerful, not the more powerful. That's the way to look at every single verse and that will lead you to a much clearer understanding than what has been handed down through traditions of men as it's called and that was that was those were things set up 2000 plus years ago right and this system this patriarchal system um this abusive system of these kind of churches not all churches but these kind of churches um uh have had 2000 years to perfect it yes and it's uh yeah, it's, it's, so, (laughs) so, and sometimes this shows up in really interesting ways too, because it's not necessarily straight. I mean, of course it is, you know, straight pastors, (laughs) at least publicly straight pastors, um, you know, condemning uh, LGBTQ people. It's, it's white churches who are, who are racist. It's men and women. But sometimes this actually shows up where it's white male leaders on white male non-leaders. And it's basically just be quiet and don't make trouble. And what happens there is men, again, we talk about take it home to your children, but men who were treated that way also take that home and they become often abusive husbands and fathers. Yeah. Well, there can only be so many leaders in the church. And so if you're a man going Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday to hear the stories you've always heard, and you're not a a leader in the church, same with women, but with the male cultural aspect, you know, they're they're not allowed to be a leader in the church because they can't all be so, but they can be a leader in their home. Yeah. So they can uh, be the king of their own castle, you know? Mm. And so there's a lot, there's room for a lot of abuse when you... I don't have as much power as the president yeah. or the police or the pastor, but by golly, they can be the king of their own castle. <laughs> and that wench and those useless children better do <laughs> what goodness. they say, right? Uh, yeah. so, so, you, everybody you get that just, sense a lot in yeah. the stories that you hear of those who've been abused in that system, yeah. don't you? Everybody on the count of three, sigh. One, two, three. Uh, <sighs> all right. <laughs> well, I have several questions for you to ask yourself as you think, well, and sometimes we have been we're in this sealed box, the bubble uh, of the non-affirming fundamentalist church, evangelical church. Um, and we don't see this. We are, I'm, I'm personally stunned to look back on our time in that kind of church and think, oh my gosh, I can't believe we didn't see this or that, or we, yeah. we didn't respond. We had no idea. So you can be so sealed in, in, tight in that, that that you don't see it. So we want to give you some questions, a list of questions to ask 
if you wonder or feel that maybe you are in a, um, a spiritually abusive church, and this may be for yourself, it may be someone that you're dealing with in your family or friends. But first, Susan, I want to talk about another red flag. And you talked about this the other day mm-hmm. as we were just chatting. And it's a church just being flat out mean. Yeah. Want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. People, people being within the church, being mean to each other or to those outside the church because that they're like focused on rules instead of on people. And uh, our friend Danny Cortez tells that story. Cortez. Cortez, excuse me, tells the story of he had a neighbor. This He was non-affirming at this time. Uh, this was years ago. And there was a gay man neighbor. And he ended up talking to him. And he said to the gay man, I'd like to know what, he introduced himself as a pastor and the gay man kind of recoiled. And Danny said, what, what do you think about people like me? And the gay man said, you don't want to know. And Danny said, I really do. And so he told him, when we, when my friends and my community was dying of AIDS, people like you were blaming them and calling them names and saying it's their own fault and they're the downfall of society and you didn't lift a finger to help any of us. And Danny was just struck down. And whether or not he personally did that is completely beside the point that so many did and that that was the reputation. You can ask gay men from the 80s and see if that's true. It's absolutely true. Uh, and and so Danny was just struck down and he said, wow, there, there is so much meanness. You wouldn't treat anybody that way and not think it's just mean. You know, it's like, it's like yeah. elementary school bullies calling names and saying, you are you got cooties and I don't like you. And I don't, you know, my gosh. Well, and, and history has shown us, if we go back and look at the history of the non-affirming church, they have gone back and said, yeah, we weren't really very good. We, we, we did treat blacks and people of color, you know, very poorly. Yeah, we did, you know, we were late to the, party in the in terms of women's rights and all kinds of things like that, even though they're still involved in that, only it's it's more it's more hidden. Um, but and that I hope will happen at at some point with the LGBTQ community. Yes. Um this reminds yes. me of a quote, the meanness of the church reminds me of a quote um from Joe Lumen. And she says, You don't get to believe existing as an LGBTQ person is wrong and also pretend like you're not homophobic or transphobic. Own your beliefs if you are so sure of them, and grapple with the fact that your God is what you use to justify the harm you cause. Mm, powerful. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, it's we'll, very interesting. we'll talk. There's, there's something else that, that I saw recently, and it was a meme where it talked about, um, I forget the exact quote, but it's the book, the holy book, that gives you instructions for how to treat slaves is not one you want to consider as the ultimate moral guide. Yes. Well, yes. It's like, uh, you know, somebody was canceled for doing blackface. Yeah, exactly. In college. That's how I should have set that up. That's That's exactly right. But then, but this book that teaches people how to treat their slaves and how to, you know, subjugate women and we can talk about context and all that, but those things now mean you cancel it as it is, as it's understood yeah, today. And we're not, this we'll, is not, we can retrieve it from the fire 
for explanation and exploration, okay? But as it's been interpreted... Exactly. As a weapon, it is canceled. And this is, as we talk about spiritual abuse, if we talk about any time you're using, and we're a bit off track here, but that's okay. (laughs) Any time that we're using the Bible... Or, or, or someone is using the Bible as a weapon yeah. to justify their mistreatment of you. Right. That is abusive and it's, it's false teaching. Right. And they've got, and it's based on their own interpretation, not the truth of scripture in terms of context, original language, translations, all, all that kind of stuff. So, yes. so, that, so when we talk about spiritually abusive and is your church that way, sometimes they just yank out a um, scripture to somehow justify the yeah. wound they've just inflicted on you. That's not how it's supposed to work. And that has nothing to do with God. Nothing right. to do with without God. Without context, it's a lie. Whatever yeah. you pull out without context won't stand up. I can do anything through a verse taken out of context. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Uh, so we want to give you some tools, some questions to ask yourself. And Susan, you can comment on these if you want. I'll, I'll go through the list. Some questions you can ask yourself to kind of determine is your church spiritually abusive? So number one, does it use guilt or fear to motivate me? Yes. <laughs> you can just answer. I'm just yes. quietly saying yes. Now, ours now doesn't. But number two, does it elevate the well-being of the church over my well-being? Number three, does it use peer pressure to try to keep me in line or do certain things or follow certain rules? Yeah, we had that experience back at a church that the the, the we would have considered extremely progressive yeah. um, and n- not very fundamentalist, but kind of when we got out of line still there, it was like they sent a few people to talk to us to, to really kind of intimidate us to, to yeah. get back in line. So does your church use peer pressure or, or, I'm or sorry, leadership yeah, or leadership to try to keep you in line or to do certain things or, or follow certain rules? Number four, does it believe that it possesses or knows more about the truth than I do? Yeah. It's interesting that it tells you, you know, this is one of the things that they never really address is that we're called, you know, Jesus said that the spirit will lead us in all truth and that we're to in follow. In all truth. In all truth. That's a lot of truth. <laughs> you have access to all truth through the Holy Spirit. But then they whip out, but the heart is, is, is wicked and you can't listen to your heart. So that no, that's that's the kind of thing that they're they take that because they don't really want you to follow your heart. Your heart is trustworthy. Your heart is good, and you can trust the spirit. Um, so that's a, that's a whole nother yeah. episode. Yes. So uh, on along that same line, number five, does it believe that it possesses or knows more about me than I do? Hard to imagine that N- they would. Number number <laughs> six, does it speak more than it listens? Yes. <laughs> I, I love your your input on this. Yep. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Done. Number seven, does it try to isolate me? Oh, geez. Does it try to isolate me and distance me from relationships that may cause me to question the church? ruh Oh, man. If you start to question things, power, you are, you are. You're a threat. You're a threat and you're gone. You're a threat to the institution. Number eight, does it punish me with emotional isolation or silent shunning? If I question or disagree with them, is it more interested in silencing me if I'm causing trouble? Quote, unquote. Instead of actually hearing me, even meeting my need. Yes. 
quick, quick sure. story. There sure. was a, I just read this on Upworthy, I think it was, about a young man who wouldn't take his hat off in the classroom. And the teacher sent him to the principal. And the principal sat down with him and said, what's, what's going on? And he said, well, I got a haircut and it's a bad cut. I know, I want to cry. Oh my gosh. I got a haircut and it's a bad cut and I, they're going to laugh at me. He said, if I sit here, if you, I cut hair, I cut my boy's hair my entire life. I kept my roommate's hair in college. Will you stay in the office? I'm going to run home and get clippers. Will you let me cut your hair? And he said, yes. And he went home, it wasn't long, and he came back and cut his hair. And then the kid, and he said, will you go back to class? I do, yes. And he did, without his hat. He was fine. But that's the part about, are you going to silence me as I, if I'm causing trouble? And, and afterward, he said, the, the principal said, you know, you can take this as a discipline issue, but then you've missed everything. You've caused much more problems yeah. for them and you. Instead of finding out what the problem is, are you listening and maybe even meeting my need? I just, mm. I was so deeply moved. I'm, I'm easily moved by things that are caring and kind. And that's one of them. So, you know, mm. do they even listen to meet your need or yeah. are you just troubled to the system? And that goes right into the next one, which is number nine, which does it trivialize, diminish, or dismiss my feelings. Right. And if you've watched the Grinch movie, you know what happens <laughs> when you make fun of a little kid in class. Yeah. <clears throat> the Grinch. It doesn't go well. Jeez, I don't know. I'm trying to lighten it up there <laughs> so I don't cry. Number 10, does it follow a patriarchal model diminishing the role of women? <clears throat> <laughs> okay, we'll take that as a yes, <laughs> that throat clearing. And then this was this. These are subtle things, though. Well, sometimes. Well, yes. yes. <laughs> sometimes they're very blatant, but sometimes, you know, women have women's ministries. They can be, but there's, there's not a reverence. There's not a real honoring right. of the uniqueness that women bring right. as mm. equal to what men bring. Mm. Absolutely. And then finally, and this was actually a deal breaker. We'll talk just a bit about this, but does it openly oppress or marginalize entire groups of people and attempt to justify it by scripture or by tradition. Uh, to me, that has always been a deal breaker. If a church can say, we look at this people, whatever the group of people is, and we are going to systematically oppress and marginalize them and justify it through scripture, that to me is a deal breaker. They don't get it. They're, they don't understand the heart of God. They don't understand the truth of the gospel. They don't understand the life and teachings of Jesus. And they are a spiritually abusive church. Yes, mm. yes. So, I mean, this is a stunning list of questions. Yeah, why don't you wrap us up here, Susan, as we come well, in and, and yeah, just Okay, kind of because as you read that list, I'm struck with this thought. This sounds exactly like the descriptors of an abusive relationship. Mm. You know, do, do they use guilt and fear to motivate you? Are they interested in their own well-being over yours? Do they think they know truth more than you do? Uh, I remember one guy telling his wife, you know, I'm the objective person between us. I'm like, oh, oh, how, what? How can that even be possible? Yeah, clearly not. Um, yeah. Does it trivialize and diminish or dismiss your feelings? I mean, just going back, you can listen to the list again on the podcast, just going through that list, it's really... It really does describe an abusive relationship. Now, the signs of a healthy relationship, it welcomes open, dissenting discussions. You can talk about differences and sort it out. And it does what is good for all, 
not just what's good for the one at the top or appears to be good for the one mm-hmm. at the top. Ariani was having a conversation with a friend whose mother was objecting. Actually, the child had been abused. Adult child had been abused. And the mother wanted them just to forgive the abuser with no accountability, no conversation, just forgive the abuser. And Annie told that friend, said, your mother's doing what's easy for her, not what's right for you. Mm. And I thought that was so beautifully, beautifully stated that when they do what's easy for them as, as an institution or as leaders and not what's right for you, that's an abuse of, an abuse of power. And shouldn't, be, shouldn't faith be about doing what's best for all? Not just easy for the one calling the shots? Jesus dismantled the structure of power in his words. He spoke truth to power like few others in history, really. I mean, you know, there's quite a handful, but relatively few people spoke that much truth to power. Gandhi was one, you know. And he especially lifted up people that the system had trampled, oppressed, had, yes. had trampled, and and he saw and them and he heard mm-hmm. them and he acknowledged them and he valued them and yeah. he and he spoke their worth to them. Yes. And um it it was very confusing to the religious leaders watching, yeah. um, as it probably still is today. Yes. But um But it takes yeah. it takes putting yourself in the other person's shoes, which the more power you have, um, the less really you're able to do that. Yeah. It it's it like changes your brain. Somebody was telling me this. It changes your brain structure. The more removed you are from people without power, different from you, the less you have the ability to relate to them. So that's that's a problem that needs to be fixed. Well, we hope that these list of questions can um, help you identify uh, whether or not you're in a spiritually abusive church or or, or situation. Yeah. And um, and we hope that can bring, that's the first step to bring some peace to your, your heart because you don't deserve that. You right. do not deserve that. Yeah. And I want to I want to encourage you to trust your heart, to trust your heart. You know that heart that they don't want you to listen to because it will say something other than the power structure? That heart. You get to listen to that heart, the one that the Holy Spirit will lead in all truth. And trust that heart to know you and to know what's best for you. You're the expert on you. And trust yourself to do what you need to do and get the help you need, the community you need, so that you can carry that out. We want you to know that we love you and we care about you and we want good things for you. And we do these podcasts for your freedom. We do all this work to help bring your freedom. And so I wish you every beautiful thing as you unravel this journey and you follow the signposts and you move into a place that's more beautiful than you ever thought possible. And write us if you need help. We are here for you and um, take good care of yourself. Love yourself well, love others well, and let others love you because you deserve to love and be loved. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Would it be okay? If I were to tell you that I am afraid someday, so I call you up and you call me down, would it be okay? You've been listening to the Freed Hearts Podcast. We have extensive resources and vibrant community for you at www 
www.freedhearts.org. Just come say hello. And if you have questions or issues or comments about the podcast, things you'd like us to talk about, reach out to us at podcast at freedhearts.org. The music is provided by Hannah Cottrell, our daughter, the Grammy-nominated Saint Sinner. And you can find out more about her at heystsinner.com. Please share this, subscribe, and follow on your favorite platform. And thanks for listening.